Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Through Their Eyes, our special series featuring Utah teenagers discussing current events on Utah's Morning News with Tim and Amanda. Such a pleasure this week to have three wonderful young people with me to talk about the news of the day in studio this week. I have Dallin and Mirabella and Ella. Welcome, welcome to all three of you. We have some, oh, we have some interesting news to talk about this week. I want to start with one um, that actually just came up. And our our information about it is limited, so let's talk about it from what we know thus far. Things may have changed by the time uh, that people hear this podcast or hear the discussion on the news, but I'll set it up for you with what I know at this moment, which is that the principal of West High School was placed on leave for uh, taking a couple of students who had uh, who he believed to be drunk home to their homes. He drove their car to their homes. uh, And then he had the assistant principal bring him back to school rather than following the district policy, which is if you see a student who's drunk on campus or drinking on campus, the policy is you call the police. And instead of taking them home and getting them off school grounds, the question is, Ella, Did he do the right thing or did he do the wrong thing? What say you? You know, I mean, I think it's tricky because there are rules like that for a reason. And I mean, there's also a reason that people get things like drinking on a high school campus put on their record. Um, I think it's such a tricky situation. I think that he probably should have called the police because it does kind of open a can of worms in where you draw the line of following set protocols and when not to. Though, I do think that since he was emotionally involved with the kids and knew them and wanted to help them, I think he had the best intentions, but I maybe think that he didn't quite follow through the way he should have. Mm. Mm. But he had the best intentions. You'll give him that, but should have followed the rules. What do you say, Mirabella? Well, for me, it's all about culture. Um, as and much as I think this culture of trust and building trust between the administration and the kids is important, I think the culture of following protocol and following policies is always more important. And that the administration and the principal in this case should be trying to create that culture in their school 
much more than maybe trying to connect with the kids because just as that's important, what's going to protect those kids and make sure that they have an opportunity to be able to connect with administration and build that trust is if they follow these policies. So for me, I think it's a much of much more importance to stay in that culture, I guess. Mm. Mm. What do you say, Dylan? So kind of for me, it comes down to this idea of him acting as two different things at the same time, where he's acting as the principal, he should have called the police, but where he's acting as their personal friend, you know, it, you know, maybe the the protocol for that would be a bit different because it's a personal relationship. But the thing is, he can't be both of the, both of those things at the same time, which is kind of what he tried to do, where as principal, he had the vice principal following him home so that he'd get a ride back. But whereas their friend, he wasn't quite following protocol. I think the thing is... I understand exactly where he was going, and I'm willing to to talk about maybe allowing that. I'm just a little scared about the precedent it sets, because as soon as he starts doing that, all you have to do is be good friends with the, the school faculty, and you can get away with, away with anything. Or, or all of a sudden, you're essential to the school's success in this sport or this program, and they're not going to enforce the rules on you so that their school can get the funding or the attention, whatever it is that they need. And so I would be very, very hesitant about allowing that sort of thing. So I'm open for discussion, but currently I would say the principal should have called the police. Okay, let me play devil's advocate with the three of you. and at, Let me ask you, does this argument hold any weight with any of you? Once you involve the police and you get a record at that age, it could change those kids' lives forever. And he might have been trying to keep that balance from tipping and a life from changing forever. Does that make it okay to make that call or does that change your thinking at all? And does that does that affect any of your thing? I guess the thing about it for me is I, I I definitely hold I see that argument. That's very very important to consider, like the long term impact this is going to have yeah. on their life. There's a few things that I think that they could do as an alternative that would hopefully still do this. Um, one of those is just the youth court program. Um, a lot of people don't know about this, but this is a way that people who are still in high school um, or even junior high and elementary school who get a criminal record can get it cleared in high school by going through some restorative justices, restorative justice steps. I think that'd be a great alternative to trying to skirt around the law. The second thing is like, you know, we're talking about trying to set these guys up for success. I don't think it's setting anybody up for success when we teach them we're going to remove consequences and not put them through the process. Rule of law is for everybody. Ah, Yes, please. So I actually have um, some sympathies with this because over the summer, my brother was accused of doing drugs, which was definitely like a full statement. But it really put my family in that those shoes of like, you know, this can totally change his life and can totally change his reputation and change who he is just because he got accused of doing this. But what we came to the conclusion of as we discussed this circumstance was that ultimately it's better to have these policies and these laws that protect everyone than to create exceptions because when we create exceptions we're actually hurting society and hurting everyone as a whole and so even though I really do feel bad for these kids because my family's been in the same situation it I honestly think that to make sure that everyone is safe and to make sure that everyone is protected, it's important that we don't make exceptions Mm. and follow through with these policies. Any further thoughts on this, Ella? I completely agree. I think that it's super important to realize there are other options. And I mean, I don't think it's the principal's place to decide whether they get punished for this or not, because 
I mean, they have the policy that you can't drink on campus, and they did. And I totally agree with the statement saying that if we take away the consequences, then kids just learn that there won't be consequences to their actions. Have any of you ever known anyone who's made a huge mistake at this age in your life? Have you? Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell me what it is, but does that affect how you feel about this at all? I mean... Because here's the point I'm getting at. We are not the person who makes them a huge mistake in our teenage years for the rest of our lives. That's not who we are. I would, I would say as a 55-year-old woman that we are not, that does not define who we are as a human being. Can I go so far as to say that? I think that's definitely true. But I also think this individual who I knew who made a mistake, I love her still, and I think she's amazing, and I don't think her humanity at all is taken away because of what she did. But I do think just because of the circumstance, there are consequences, and those consequences have to follow through. And without those consequences, her humanity isn't there. Mm. Well spoken. Thank you. Uh, Another big topic this week. And I have to tell you, uh, we're airing portions of the impeachment uh, inquiry hearings on KSL, uh, not gavel-to-gavel coverage. And even just the small portions that we're airing, when we air them, people will text us complaining, saying, I don't want to hear this stuff. It's ridiculous. It's a waste of time. Do you follow the impeachment inquiry with any interest? Do you think it's a a historic thing that is worthy of your time? Do you think it's a waste of time? How do you see it, Mirabella? Well, for me, following the impeachment inquiry and hearings, it's honestly been beautiful to witness because it's such a comforting thing, I think, in today's rather bleak political atmosphere to see that these processes that were put in place by the founding fathers and these constitutional mandates that Congress has do follow through. And that, you know, regardless of whether President Trump did have anything to do with funding or withholding funds from Ukraine, the Congress is still going to follow through with the political processes. And that's something that's wonderful to see as a warning to the president, to the future president, or to any future political officer that the American people care and that Congress takes these things seriously and that we're going to hold them accountable. That is the most refreshing thing I think I have heard in, well, in as long as I can remember. Because I think we get so caught up in the pain regardless of which side you're on, in the pain of this process that we forget that the fact that the process is being carried out at all is, uh, is, is just a reinforcement of the strength of the democracy. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Wow. How do you see it, Dylan? At least for me, the discussion isn't so much about whether or not there is a legitimate grounds for impeachment. I just see a lot of political polarization. This just, to me, seems like an exhibition of how corrupt our government is and how much of a political move this is on both sides. With Donald Trump using his political status to try and you know, bring up information on his political opponent, Joe Biden. And then on the flip side, we have the Democrats who are conveniently dragging this out until the election, right? The, the timing of, all, of it all just to me says that this is a political move through and through and that you know, while there is certainly grounds for a, a legitimate discussion about what actually happened and what we should do about it, the way it's being gone about is, you know, kind of shifting it away from that, unfortunately, and trying to use it to drag each party down. 
Do you watch or listen to any of it, Dallin? Uh, I, I I try and stay up to date with the news, and that's it's been a front page for forever. Mm-hmm. So I've seen quite a bit about it. But then again, like I I don't know, I was I was researching it just last night, and it it took a long time to like to read the whistleblower complaint and to read the transcript of the call. Those were long, and it took a lot of like getting into to, to go dig it up. I had to go from link to this article to this article to the, to the actual transcript to actually find what it was, and it, and it did take some digging. And to get away from what the pundits are saying to the actual testimony itself can be it's really it's an exercise in critical thinking isn't it to get away from uh the politi- politicization or am i saying that right to get to the the meat uh is, is diff- a challenge for all of us i think i hear you on that how, how do you see this ella i think it's definitely important to follow the inquiry actually i was researching it the other day as well um and i was just thinking man i can't wait till i can vote and then i was thinking that's going to be next year. I'll be voting in this election. And so I definitely think it's important to keep up on it and know exactly what's happening because otherwise we just get the revamped version from someone else's perspective, which could be biased one way or another. So finding out exactly what's happening for ourselves, I think, is definitely important. Do you find yourself discussing this topic with classmates, people your own age, with your parents? And if so, what are those conversations like? Yeah, I've actually done a lot of discussions about this with my brother, who's also been following it pretty closely. And they've just been interesting about how, um, well, most of them have been him explaining to me how the impeachment process works. But it's just been super interesting to kind of get in to, to learn more about how the political process works. So then we can better represent it, I guess. Interesting. Um, You know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I really hope politics doesn't ruin Thanksgiving. Can I just say that? Are any of you worried about that? Do you have families where politics becomes a a point of argument in the family? I hope not. Is that that a point of argument for anybody's family? No, no, I, I, I have not, because I, I, I know we have spirited discussions at, at my table. It's never gotten to the point of argument, but it's gotten close. And I, I just hope we can keep it, keep it, you know, under wraps, at least until the pie is served. <laughs> so good luck. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to comment on that. That's probably too personal. Um let me jump to the to the 2020 election. What does anyone think about Michael Bloomberg getting into to the race? Do you have a thought about that, Dallin? I, I actually think it's really interesting um, that, he, that he's jumping into the race. I'm glad he's jumping in for the sake of like this healthy. I, I think it's great for democracy to be like, wow, I don't like the field. I'm going to get in it. So I think that's encouraging. But at the same time, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, what that says about the prospects the Democratic Party has with their candidate. Because um, to me, it looks like the, the, the farthest wing of the Democratic Party is going further and further away from the middle. And at the same time, the, the moderates who it, personally, I would be I would rather see a moderate Democratic nominee. Um, and I, I, I feel like Biden and Bloomberg would split the vote and kind of bring each other out of the race and leave us with a Democratic nominee who is further away from, I think, being able to provide a shot at the president. Like, I don't, I don't think a very far left Democratic nominee is going to be able to beat Donald Trump. And so then we're left again with two options that I'm not a fan of either. Mm. And I think that's what Bloomberg was thinking. That's why he's in the race. Yeah. Do you have a candidate, uh, a Democratic candidate who you prefer over the others? I'm not asking whether, which way you'd vote, but of the Democratic candidates, do you have one you prefer? 
So th- there's a couple that I would look into. Certainly, uh, you know, I started out by saying Joe Biden, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think Joe Biden was the, the most moderate at the time. Um, and, you know, c- going further and further into the race, um, I, I still do support Joe Biden in a lot of ways because of, I think, his willingness to work across the aisle and being more moderate than the other options. Uh, but at the same time, Joe Biden is not my, my preferred candidate for a lot of his specific policies. Um, and, and, you know, another candidate I've looked into a lot is Andrew Yang. I know a lot of people who are actually part of, like, his campaign process. He's fascinating. And he is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I, like, I feel like he's too far away from, like, basic American ideals to, for me to offer him a vote. And then there's Pete Buttigieg, who, again, I, I think he's got a lot of great things. I like that he's fresh. He's new. Mm-hmm. Um, I dislike how he treats the right. He's very, very much part of that polarization, kind of pokes across. Mm. Seems like he stands on a lot of what America was founded on with a little bit of disrespect. Mm. And... I respect a lot of his policies, but I definitely disrespect the way he treats other people who have different policies. Of course, we have another debate with 10 of the candidates, not not Bloomberg, um, 10 of the candidates on Wednesday night. And uh, this program may air at least part of it on Thursday, so we don't know what that'll... May I ask, uh, Ella, uh, what do you think about Bloomberg getting into the race? And do you have a candidate you like of the... What what do we have now, 12 uh, still in the race? I'm not sure. What what do you think? Yeah, I guess to me it just seems like it's kind of too late for him to really jump in and make a difference. Like, if he was going to campaign, he should have started earlier, because at this point, it's kind of like Dallin said, it'll just, it will probably split the vote between him and Biden, which could be problematic, because out of the Democratic um, pool, Biden is the one who I would support, especially for the reason that I think he would be the one person who could really have a shot of maybe actually winning the election versus President Trump. Because I feel like, for instance, Warren or Sanders are just too far to the left to really draw some of the Republicans over. So if there was one person who could really have a shot of beating President Trump, it would be Biden. Hmm. What do you think about Buttigieg or Yang, as as the Dallin mentioned? Yeah, you know, I haven't done a ton of research in like the... I've mostly researched the people who are kind of higher in the polls. Yeah. Um, so I don't know a ton about it. But... I mean, yeah, I yeah. don't know, Tom. I'm just uh, listening to um, Andrew Yang's book on tape when I'm at the gym. I can't remember the name of it. It's something about normal something. He's fascinating. Uh, he, he's worth a read is, is just all I'd say there. What do you make of this, Mirabelle? To me, uh, Michael Bloomberg putting his toe, I guess, in the presidential race is just another testament to me of how smart, capable people are dissatisfied with President Trump and how he's run the presidency. What I found really interesting about Bloomberg was that he was actually a registered Republican until this last midterm where he changed and switched to become a registered Democrat. And you know, thinking back to last November and the midterms and thinking back to the campaign advertisements that I saw, like the rallying cry, the slogan was like, we will stop President Trump. We will oppose President Trump. And so I think this is just another example of people who are dissatisfied and who want to make a stand and do something about it. Yeah, good. Um I want to ask you now about, well, we've been talking a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving, or I mentioned Thanksgiving, and there are, as I drive home, I see Christmas lights up on the way home. Uh, I actually have my Christmas lights up, but my husband won't let me turn them on until after Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, I read this story just a week or so ago about this HOA in in Texas where a woman put her Christmas lights up. Um, 
a few days ago, or I guess it's more than a week ago now. And part of the reason she put them up so early, she put them up November 1st, I think it was, November 1st. Part of the reason she put them up when she did was because she was pregnant, eight months pregnant. And she thought, I'm not going to be able to put them up as easily in the end of my pregnancy, so I'll put them up now. At least that was the, the HOA asked her to take them down because they were upsetting, I guess, to some people. I think some people are very militant about when we should be allowed to celebrate Christmas. Although maybe that, the way I phrase that question shows my bias. Um, and I know my mother-in-law would say, Amanda, you've got to celebrate Thanksgiving before you can celebrate Christmas, one holiday at a time. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this, uh, Ella? You know, I'm one of those people who I wish we were singing Christmas songs in November. I love it. So I really don't have a problem with this woman putting up Christmas decorations too early. Um, I think especially if it doesn't bother her neighbors, then why worry about it? I know that in the article it said that their na- her neighbors were fine with it. So that, I mean, if her neighbors are fine, who's making the problem here? So I think that she should totally keep them up. Yeah. Any thoughts on this? Well, what I really loved about this story was actually how her neighbors reacted. Instead of like being mad about it and uh, mad about Christmas decorations, they actually rallied around this family and brought the Christmas spirit into themselves and were like, you know, this is what Christmas is about. It's about standing by these people who are in need. And I don't think it's fair that they should regulate Christmas. And so they started putting up Christmas decorations themselves. And I loved that because that's what Christmas is about. It's about being the Good Samaritan and about being a neighbor and standing by those people who are in need. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? I'm I'm definitely on the side. If you want to put Christmas lights up, go for it. Um, I like look. I I understand. Like you know, take it one thing at a time. But again, it's just celebrate Christmas. It's great, and I don't I don't think you can't celebrate both of them at the same time. See, I, and I absolutely enjoy Thanksgiving. I yeah. enjoy every minute of it, and the going around the table and talking about what we're thankful for, and the food and all of it. And I could do that with my Christmas tree up, uh, but my my husband cannot. But I can. <laughs> So we have to wait until the end of that. Um, anyway, any other thoughts on this sort of frivolous topic? I know some places they leave their Christmas lights up a whole lot longer, and I'm on board for that. It just makes winter a whole lot brighter yeah. and a lot funner. <laughs> January can be a drag. It's hard once the lights come down and the inversion sets in. But if those lights are left up, they're expensive. Once you put them up, why don't we leave them up? I think all of, why not all of January into fit Why not until until Valentine's Day? Is that a good idea? Let's I've seen it. families who have Christmas lights up all year and just change the colors depending on the holiday. So it's Brilliant. like red, white, and blue for July, you know? Brilliant. <laughs> all right. Um, I know people are out there cringing. Um, <laughs> let me ask you about this because this came up a, a week or so ago on one of our talk shows here on KSL, uh, the Dave and Dejanovic show. Oh, first of all, let me just say, uh, I'm, we're going to talk about this in just a minute. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back. This is Through Their Eyes, uh, a wonderful program where I get a chance to talk to young people here uh, in the state of Utah. Back in just a moment. I'm here this week with Ella, Mirabella, and Dallin, and I want to bring up the subject of the film Midway, which is about the Battle of Midway. And I have not seen it yet. I want to see it. I almost took my boys to see it on the weekend it came out. But then I heard from David Dujanovic that the very last words on the screen at the end of this movie 
read, this film is dedicated to the Americans and Japanese who fought at Midway. When I heard that, my initial reaction, I have to tell you, was no, 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 no. Um, but I, my father uh, was in World War II. I have many uncles uh, who fought in World War II. This is my, where I come to this place from. And I thought, I understand that bravery, individual bravery is something that we can celebrate. But I do, because I do not believe the Japanese cause was just, I don't know if I can celebrate. (sighs) I struggled with that. Let me just say that, Dallin. And my friends tried to convince me, Amanda, it's not about that. It's about the honor of the individual who did not create the policy, but who fought with honor nonetheless. Speak to me about how this, how did this resonate with you? Well, I'll say my initial reaction was rather the same. Um, I was I was pretty uncomfortable with it at first. I was like, all right, you know, where are we going with this? Uh, but as I thought about it more, I think this dedication ca- can be a lot more about the fact that we're all humans and we're all on the same team in the long run than it is about any side or any time in history. Because looking at it from their perspective, I understand where, like, the, the individual soldier, you know, standing in their shoes, like what they were doing, it was pretty honorable, you know, standing up for their country. And while I disagree with their cause, I think to dedicate this to to their bravery, to their willingness to participate in humanity and, and, and just the reality of warfare, right? Just how awful war is, I think dedicating it to them as well is just another token of respect for them as a human. Mm. Yes, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What about for you, Mirabella? Well, for me, I am a really strong believer that the world is forever changed for anyone who loses a life. Like, the world is never the same when we lose someone. Um, I recently watched a documentary on Ben Friends, who was one of the lead prosecutors at the Nuremberg trials. And one thing that really stood out to me while watching that documentary was how he conducted himself in regards to the Nazis who were on trial. Um, He never once demeaned them in any way. He definitely was aware of the horrors that they'd committed, but he always still treated them as a person. And that really struck me, um, this idea that you're still a person no matter what side of the spectrum you're on. And I think if we really want the world to heal, because I think in a lot of ways the world is still healing from the horrors that happened during World War II, we need to respect that and respect that everyone is a person and the world is changed by both the Americans and the Japanese that were lost at mm. Midway. Thank you for that. What about you, Ella? I think it's so tricky because every side in a war always thinks they're right. Like, you wouldn't be fighting unless you thought you were on the right side. So I really feel like it comes down to whether a soldier really did the best they could. For instance, when I was thinking about it, I thought, If there was like a movie about D-Day, I don't think I would support them saying we honor all the German soldiers who fought. And yet, how is this different? Yeah, so that's what I was trying to figure out. How is it different? And I do think that maybe the difference for me was that 
Germany committed a lot of crimes against humanity. Maybe that's what changes it for me is the concentration camps. But then again, Japan also had prisoner of war camps、mm-hmm. that were really bad as well. So I do feel like it comes down to the individual. Like if the individual wasn't involved in anything that they thought was wrong, if they thought they were just trying to serve their country as best they could and doing the best that they can, then I think, yes, then we should honor that. That's where I'm trying to get. And I appreciate all of your. All of your、uh, good thoughts.、Um, in the remaining time we have, because it's going by too fast, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about technology.、Um, the Apple, Apple Card is being investigated for gender bias. I was just, I guess I shouldn't have been, but I was shocked by that. I thought, are we not past this? Now, of course, they're denying this, and, and it's very possible that. that, that Uh, their denial is accurate, except for that. Here's, here's the argument. The argument is, you know,、uh, the husband says, My wife has way better credit than I do, and yet she, does, she qualifies for half the loan I, I get. What's the difference? We have the same last name, we live in the same place. She has a way better job than I have. She, she has, in every way, better credit, and we apply for a loan, and she, she qualifies for, for $10,000, and I qualify for $30,000. What's the deal? And these kinds of examples go on and on and on. And I saw that and, and I thought, are we still having gender bias issues in the banking world? Does this point to a larger thing? Or what, what did this say to you, if anything, Mirabelle? Well, when I researched it, I tried to find you know, other examples where this was happening with other people who were using the Apple card.、Um, but for me, it looked like from my research, I could be wrong,、mm-hmm. that it was just this one instance. Just a limited instance. Yeah, and it was more of a, a freak accident, maybe a glitch in the program. I hope so. I, I, I do really hope so. And because, you know, I think the reason why it's gotten so much discussion is the. I forgot the man's name who this happened to, but he has a really big Twitter following. And so, you know, him, him talking about it on Twitter got a, a pretty big following. But, you know, he was saying things like, it's a flaw in the algorithm. But I find it hard to believe Apple would put,、of、like, all mis- the companies. Yeah, exactly. Would put a misogynistic bias in their algorith- algorithms. But, you know, I could be wrong. And if there are other cases that come up, I think it's something. We should look into you, from, but from what I saw, it was more of a freak accident. Right. Okay. Wait, what do you make of this, Ella?、Um, you know, when I heard it, I also thought, like, wait, what? How, how do you make that happen? Like, it just seems if there is a problem in the algorithm, I feel like it wouldn't be intentional. Maybe I'm naive in saying that, but it just seems, it doesn't seem like something that someone would really care about, right? Like, if you have. Good credit if you have, like, if you're doing fine financially, then what's the difference? So I do hope that. I it- love that your generation would not think that that's relevant. Because in my generation, banks definitely think that thought, thought, I'll put it past tense, that that was relevant. Because they would assume that at some point, I'm probably going to quit my job and stay home and have children, which makes me a less, a less valuable candidate, a less、uh, dependable candidate to pay back that loan. So there are going to be some traditionally,、uh, you know, sort of stereotypically 
uh, stereotypical assumptions that they'll make about a young female than they would about a young male that, that are out, I thought, out of the system now, out of the culture. But definitely 30 years ago, those kinds of assumptions were made by banks all the time. I just hope they're not anymore. Yeah, I definitely could be naive in saying that. Um, but I do hope that it is just a one instance type thing. And if there is a glitch in the algorithm, that it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. And I guess we don't know. What did, and what did this say to you, if anything, Dallin? Honestly, I, I just go back to the idea, like, look, if it wasn't a glitch, then that's a problem. Let's fix it. I, I do suspect that it was an accident in the algorithm. I have a really hard time seeing anybody in Apple trying to program it that way, yeah. um, especially with, like, their, their process, right? Someone would have caught it. And I guess the thing for me is, like, I, I don't think that's that should be the way it is. I don't think that is the way it is. I think that that was just a, an accident. Sorry that it happened. Let's yeah. fix it and let's move on. Good, good. I, and it sends up red flags for me, and I, and I hope that it is wrong. Um, I saw this other article I wanted to ask you about because I had never heard. Have you ever heard of dopamine fasting? Have any of you ever heard of that? I had never. Have you ever heard of that? From, from researching this just a little bit, yeah. I had never heard before of dopamine fasting. When I think of dopamine, I think of, okay, when you do something, you know, uh, like, like Facebook is programmed to give you a dopamine hit every time you get a like or something. Or if you go running, if you exercise, it, it, it gives you, you know, a dopamine hit. Or, uh, you know, you see a scary movie or something, it a- accesses the, am I describing it correctly, Dallin? So the, the idea behind dopamine fasting is to completely cut yourself off from all of the normal things that feed into those dopamine centers of the brain and be still. And people go on dopamine fast and they say they're magnificent for the human experience. What does that, what does that say to you? Uh, mostly, I think it speaks about how bad the problem is and of, of our overstimulated society. I, I guess like the idea is that you know, we're, we're constantly receiving this, this stimulus, this dopamine from whatever it is we're doing, social media, just eating, talking, whatever it is. And it, it's just so much that the, the slogan of dopamine fasting is like, feel less now so you can feel more later. Like, don't harden yourself to this input. Um, and I think that just says a lot about where our society's going with we're on the bus. You just tune out and go on your phone and you, you start getting dopamine hits from, you know, swiping through your social media, whatever it is. It's it's instead of going through normal processes to achieve that, it's much, much more readily available and therefore means a whole lot less. Wow. What, what do you say, Ella? Anything about dopamine fasting? I think it's such a fascinating idea and I, I would love to try it since I definitely do agree with Dallin that we have an overstimulated society, which I also feel like it makes us, I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but it makes it a little harder to do things that are hard, that don't give you that dopamine kick that you really need to do, like getting off social media and like actually getting your homework done, because that doesn't give you a hit, so you just need to learn how to do it. So learning how to live without the dopamine always just flooding in, I think, is super valuable. Yes. What do you say, Mirabella? Well, as I researched this, I realized a common misconception people have about dopamine. Dopamine is labeled as the pleasure uh, neuron, or I don't even know what the proper terminology is. But dopamine is actually the thing that reminds you that something is good. So, like, if I have a donut, dopamine doesn't make that donut good. It just reminds me, oh, this is a good donut. And so... 
kind of the problem I saw while researching this dopamine fasting idea is that instead of like, you know, when we think about diets or we talk about diets, it's not necessarily like this idea that we'll just fast and we'll diet and then we'll be fine. You actually have to change your mind and become more mindful that like I don't want these bad things in my body and I think that's kind of the same with dopamine fasting is it has to be more of a mindful process of more of a reminding myself that hey I actually don't like social media instead of just like separating yourself from it completely Hmm. interesting Um, I want to talk more but the time is gone will you please come back and see me again Yes. Will you, will, you, will you please come back, Kella? Yes. I know you're going to come back and see me again, uh, but I have to ask anyway. Will you please come back and see me? Uh, this has been uh, Through Their Eyes, a chance for me to sit down with the wonderful youth of Utah and ask them to explain their understanding of the issues of the day. And we'll see you next week here on KSL News Radio.